Welcome amazing agents and investors from across the country. Today is Thursday, September 3rd, 2020, and this is role play call number 294. We do have four people in the queue, so let's jump right in with our first caller. First up is phone number ending in 5464. You're up first. Yes, um, this is Eddie here in Kansas City. Uh, I tried to get on the call yesterday to do role play, but I was wondering if you guys could help me with a little bit of head trash I have uh, when calling uh, the heirs of, like, like if somebody's wife or husband died. I'm just kind of have some head trash around that, and then I emailed Bruce. Uh, we didn't get a chance to connect before this call, so I figured now was a good enough time to, you know, talk about that. Yeah. And by the way, before you answer, Chad, I think you I think you should trademark that name, Head Trash. I've never heard that before. Yeah. But it, it's, very, it's very descriptive. I like it. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Chad. No, I, I, first, like, I'll compliment you on your self-awareness. That's huge that you actually framed it that way. I, that, that's hopeful. Um if then this isn't the sidestep the, the the answer, but if you go to the alltheleads.com and look in the top right, the search bar, type in spouse, and there you'll see a tips from a trainer video I did several years ago um, that kind of gives you the longer form of this. But I would encourage you to think about and and just like we recommended, I recommended to somebody on the mastermind call yesterday. Think about all the problems these people could have that they're not yet yet aware of. And think about that from a spouse. If you have a senior citizen, like according to the Federal Reserve survey in 2018, the average senior citizen in the United States has $24,000 in liquidity. So if they're on a fixed income times two and they lose their spouse, now they're on a fixed, they're on a single fixed income. The bills are the same. The responsibility likely doubled. So even if today, and we know from the nursing home industry, 88.9% of senior citizens surveyed in extensive surveys have reported that they, their only plan is to die in their home. What we know from the CDC is that 60% of Americans die in hospitals, 20% in nursing homes, and only 20% of those, those people actually get to live out their plan. The ones who didn't have a contingency plan, everything changes. And sometimes they notice it the day it happens. Sometimes it takes them two or three months to get through the grieving process and realize this isn't sustainable and I can't live this way. I have to sell things and change my living situation. So all that said, the approach is a little different. It needs to be softer. You shouldn't shy away from it. You should understand that you can be the difference between that person dumping equity out of desperation or having a controlled exit from the assets that hold the most value in their estate. And if you're embarrassed to reach out, like if, you don't, if, you don't, if you don't believe in your soul that they're better off hearing from you than not, even at the risk of, of a, a, a misperception on the front end, that, like that's where you need to get to. Like, you need to believe in your heart that this person is better off having access to me and advice from me than they are not. And I would hold yourself accountable. If I don't call this person, what am I cheating them out of? Because if you believe in what you're doing, you have to believe that you're limiting you're limiting value by by not reaching out and not putting yourself out there. And you're going to take some licks. Eventually, you will, you will someone will misperceive what you're doing. But it won't be very often, 
and the gratitude that you receive by taking that chance and, and taking that risk, the, the gratitude far outweighs the people who are critical of you. Okay. You know, I, I definitely know there's value because my, my uncle just died and my aunt, she was on a fixed income and he was on, like they were on fixed income and she couldn't stay in their house because of it. So I know that there's value. I just, that was Dude, one that fell in my lap. That's, that's your, that's your, that's your USP with a surviving spouse. Like that, that story, like that shows your empathy. It shows your why. So figure out a way how to use that to help people understand you're not a predator. You're here to serve and help, not take advantage. And you know, the okay. other thing I was going to, the other thing I was going to add, Van, is, you know, it obviously, I mean, on average, it's three to four months between, you know, between the time someone dies and the probate gets filed. And that's certainly not enough time to get over a life, you know, losing a lifetime companion, but it does indicate that they're at least, you know, past it enough that they've made the business decision. That, you know, somebody in the family has made the decision to go ahead and file the probate. So, it, you know, the, your call isn't going to come as a surprise to them. And, it, you know, it doesn't mean that they're not still grieving. So just be, be super empathetic, you know. Um, and we've often said you don't necessarily have to say, I'm sorry for your loss, but start off by saying, you know, acknowledging, um, you know, show empathy that I'm sure this is a difficult time for the family and that's why I'm reaching out, you know, you know, what's the most difficult part and how can I help you? Just come from, come from empathy and, and realize that you are helping them, like Chad said, and realize that, they're, about, you know, it's not going to, go ahead. No, I'm sorry, Jim, I thought you were breaking. Go ahead, finish. No, I, no, I'm done. Go ahead, Chad. So the other thing I want you to think about is who, who on your team can help anyone in that situation, even if they're not selling real estate, your landscapers, your gutter cleaners, your pressure washers, your social workers, your nursing home employee, like the person who, who handles admissions at the nursing home, a senior moving company, self-storage with climate control. Like think of all those challenges they have and who, and even if they're not selling real estate right now, they're very, very likely to do so in the next year or so. So what value can you provide today so you don't, you're not perceived as trying to take advantage of them, but instead you're perceived as someone who brought value when there was nothing for you to gain in the moment. And the, the amount of trust and credibility that comes with that is huge. And I, I guess the reason I'm so passionate about this answer and the way I'm giving it is I had the same head trash that you had until I had the, these widows who finally had a breakthrough four, five, six, seven months down the line. One was 25 months. But they finally had that breakthrough, and then within weeks, all their problems were solved. And they and like the, the the gratitude they showed me is what fuels me to always pick up that phone, because it, it's just a matter of 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 pickups until you you drastically change somebody's situation for the better. And once you get there, you'll you'll have unstoppable energy to do this because you'll believe it, and the head trash goes away. Does that help? Okay. Well, yes, absolutely. Um, I I appreciate that, uh, and I'll I'll report back because I've got a handful in my uh, in like in my leads that I know are are spouses, and I haven't called because of the address, but uh, they're on my follow ups to to call. So I'll report back on how it goes. 
Before you go, All right. did you happen to see the? Did you see the case study update that David Pennell and I did last week? I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. I would recommend you watch that too. So one of the one of the pivots that David has made, he actually categorizes his list socially. So a lot of people sort their list by in town, out of town, or, but he's looking at it from a social aspect. So the easiest ones are the out of town heirs who weren't immediate family. Then you've got the immediate family. Then you have surviving spouses. So he looks, he breaks them into three tranches, and he calls from his perception of easiest to hardest, the easiest or the out-of-town non-immediate family, because those people have very little emotional connection and just want to get it done. Then he calls the immediate family, and, which is the majority of them. And then once he's gotten, you know, he's gotten the courage, then he calls the surviving spouses. So he kind of. He prioritizes his list based on his experience. We all have we all have limiting beliefs. The good like the good news is the way I started this is you have a self awareness that'll help you overcome this and, and get through it. But even David, even running at the speed he's running, he has apprehension too. And and like I said, eventually you'll you'll piss somebody off. But it's there's ways to handle that as well. But it won't be very many. The good you will do will far outweigh you know, any, any negative consequences. Okay. Thank All you. Right. I appreciate it. I appreciate right. that. And please do come on our next mastermind call. Let's role play that one. We haven't done it in a while. I mean, on the next uh, role play call. All right. Next up is phone number ending in six, three, two, zero. You're up next. Hey guys, how's it going? Great. How about it. you? I I'm good, man. You got a quick question for y'all. Um, I got a family who it's three sisters. Um, one of the sisters is the executrix. They are um, inheriting the house from uh, a mother who passed away. The brother is living in the house. Um, all three sisters who basically have all the, the executive power want to sell the house and relocate the brother and um, would even consider an eviction if possible, if necessary. But I guess I just wanted to ask you all, what is your experience with having to help families relocate a family member in order to sell real estate? What are the problems you all have run into and what's the best solution to kind of avoid eviction? obviously, especially in these times, um, to finding a peaceful solution for, for those family members so that the other people can sell the homes? Yeah, great question. It's, it's common. Like, if you haven't come across one of these yet, for everybody listening, it's a matter of time. Um, there's always the one who didn't fly the nest, right? So the best way I've found to approach this is, is proactively find them a better living situation. So a lot of people in that situation, they don't have an income. In my experience, most of them are on Social Security benefits because they found a way to, you know, they they, they just never really wanted to contribute. They, they just wanted to be taken care of. So I never, ever, you know, condone kicking people out on their ass just because they're lazy. It's, it's We have a, a sense of duty to people like that. But... The best way I've found to deal with it is through property managers or if they're low income or fixed income through social workers. And especially if there's a mental illness, it's even easier. Like if they have a documented mental illness, then there are, there's a separate tranche of money that comes from HUD down to mental health uh, companies 
Like here in Roanoke, there's one called Blue Ridge Behavioral Healthcare, and they get a separate HUD allocation that's separate from the, the Section 8 money, but it's essentially Section 8 housing for mentally mentally challenged people. So oftentimes they do qualify for that, and it's much easier to place them in suitable housing through that versus going through the HUD channels. But so you can reach out to, you know, ask the family permission. So, you know, would it be okay if I, if I you know, start talking to some folks to, to find a better living situation? And can you tell me a little bit about your brother's situation? And the more you can learn about him, the more empathetic you can be to his position and, and the better you can select suitable living for him. And then rather than delivering, you know, you can deliver it with, hey, Jerry, you know, we've, your sisters have agreed to give you a thousand bucks to, you know, for moving money. And we've already set up a facility for you over here. Here it is. Here's a brochure. And you can deliver it as a, as a tailored solution that you made just for him. And it lands a lot, lot easier, a lot softer when you present it that way. Um, some people try the approach of, well, you get you know, like you, you can go get out on your own, or you can get out with the sheriff, and then it becomes adversarial, and they'll lock down. And then, and you're this is Shia, right? Yeah. Is this Shia? Yeah. So like you've got judicial backlogs, and it, it could take months and months just to get through, you know, to the through the eviction process. So nobody wins in that scenario. Um, it, it can be as simple as cash for keys. You know, you can say, man, here the family has agreed to give you an extra 5000 bucks," Or you can say, you know, the family has agreed to pay for your moving costs and your first three months rent over at this facility. Then by that time, the subsidized rent will pick up or whatever that is. But certainly try the service approach. You use the carrot before you use the stick. Okay, got it. That's um, ultimately just wanted some advice on that because the sisters want him out but don't want to deal with it, and they they immediately went to the eviction. And I was like, let's see if we can figure out something that's a little bit more uh, peaceful. Yeah, they all lose. And, and the question I would ask him, Shy, is you know, if you guys didn't have to go through putting your brother through that, would it be worth a couple thousand bucks each off of your distribution? Like I'm not asking you to pay 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 with money you already have. I'm asking you to do what do you know to to contribute to your brother's transition from the inheritance money. So is that something I can count on? If I obviously won't lead with that, but if that's what's necessary to get him into suitable living, can you guys live with that versus uh, what could potentially be a very long drawn out court process? And you can also show them how that, that money is going to get spent one way or the other. They can spend it in holding costs or they can give it to him. Either way, it's getting consumed. So it's, you know, and, and there's ego. It sounds like ego might be part of this. And a really good way to put an end to that shit is say, do you want to be right or do you want to be done with this? Yeah. They, I got them to agree on taking, um, you know, sprunting him costs from the estate to pay back later. They want to avoid that, but they did agree that that's something that they can do. But it's the finding a suitable housing area, um, yeah. which we have a few ideas. But yeah, that's, that's just I just wanted to pick your brain on that one. Thanks, Jeff. Um, the one other option uh, there was something that I just oh, shoot. I have one more thing that I just thought of. 
Oh, the one other option, if, 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 you got, if you find your backs against the wall and none of, none of what we've talked about is, is working, this is, I would say this is a contingency, but you can actually reach out to one of the partners, one of the, the people we've recently done a uh, Ask the Expert series with a company called Probate Cash, and they will actually advance 25% of, of the inheritance for purposes like this. So if you haven't watched that video, you can you can search probate cash with no space, all one word, and it'll bring up that tips from the trainer. And there's a download below the video. You can download kind of a summary sheet of what they offer. But that could be uh, a contingency plan if, if nothing else works. Before you go the judicial route, give him an opportunity to take an advance and, and take care of himself before you have to get the stick out. Okay, cool. Thanks, guys. Next up is phone number ending on 3040. You're up next. Okay, hi. Okay. I really do uh, enjoy your, your webinars, uh, picking up a lot of tips, first of all. Now, what I have done recently is that I actually went to the probate website because I wanted to find out if the needs that I have is they actually did receive their testamentary because what I get is, no, we haven't heard the thing yet. And what I found out is that they really did receive this uh, testamentary, okay? So they're, they're just telling me that as an excuse. The other thing I noticed that when I went ahead and looked into their case is sometimes I will see that it says, the, it says drop order. I don't know what that means. So if somebody could, could explain that to me, that'd be great. It probably means they filed probate because they thought they had to, and they later learned that they were exempt, most likely because of the small estate exemption. So they, they probably initiated the probate process without an inventory of assets, and then when they got the inventory of assets, it was worth less than X amount, which whatever that limit is in your state. They, they may have been found to be exempt from probate, so they actually dropped the probate case. But there, but, as far but, but as there is... Go ahead. What state are you in? And he, I'm in Texas. Yeah, so in Texas, it's, it's, it could be that the real estate was the only asset of value, of significant value. Hmm. And they actually petitioned the court for monument of title, which actually takes the real estate out of the, the probate. And if there's no other assets to be probated, then they probably closed the case because it was it was it qualified for monument of title. That would be my guess at what you're seeing. And for anyone else listening, understand this is only for Texas. Like if you're like, well, how did I not know that in Arkansas? It's because it doesn't apply anywhere but where but in Texas. But what I'm finding, I mean, there is property, and it is still in the decedent's name. Decedent's name, right. and I'm working. I'm working with uh, old probate, like you know, like from last year or the beginning yeah. of this year. Well, so pretty good evidence is that it is. It is a result of. Go ahead. The, the fact that title hasn't transferred is pretty good evidence that it is a result of monument of title. So they, they may have chosen, you know, it's, it's very common in my market where attorneys don't really help folks with probate here. It's very uncommon. 
a lot of folks don't know that they need to file probate, so they go to refinance the home or sell it 10 years down the road, and then they find out they have to retroactively probate the estate. So they keep paying the taxes in mom or dad's name, and just they just don't, you know, they don't they don't know what the correct process is, so they just keep going. And eventually it catches up with them and they have to retroactively probate the estate. So that might be what's happening with you or, or in your area is they're qualifying for monumental title. It actually does not require probate beyond that. And then they just don't finish. They don't take it through and transfer title and do everything else because, uh, you know, nobody's telling them they have to. Okay. So my question is, should I keep following up with them, try to put them you know, I send my letters out. Of course, in going back from last year, you know, I've sent them quite a few already. But getting a hold of them is, is the hardest thing. You're trying to get on the phone. So would you yeah. would you continue to pursue these people? I would definitely continue to market to them. You might change how you're marketing to them. So if they're closed up because they've, you know, they they have been getting the probate message, you might consider. Uh, a different approach, more like the something. If you look in in uh, letter and brochure samples, you'll see a letter called House Value Letter, and that okay. was a letter I wrote, and it's actually titled to the decedent um, and and sent to the deceased last known address, now, assuming or pretty much knowing that there's pretty much a guarantee there's a mail forward or somebody collecting mail, and uh, it look okay. it, bas it basically plays on the strength of the market. And you could even strengthen that, depending on what your belief and and, and the where we're headed. I, I think a a market uh, a market value correction is very likely in 2021. So you could you could play on the strength of the market right now, this rally and the demand and the limited supply, and show them how economically they should be motivated to go ahead and do what's right now versus versus waiting. And so you might just consider like um, a more indirect approach playing on the strength of the market versus their pain points in probate because they're no longer in probate. They already solved that problem. Okay. That was good. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Good job. Thank you for contributing. We have two more in the queue. We do have room for more guys. Just hit star six and hit pound. Next up is phone number ending in 8982. You're up next. Hi, this is Roy Swan. And uh, what I'm experiencing is there's a, a mass that most of the ones that I see uh, that I'm working on are uh, uh, stalled. In other words, they are on a no-call list. Uh, what do you recommend? You have to choose your own risk. Like only you know your risk tolerance. But most seasoned prospectors will will make those phone calls. Uh, the reason we do DNC validation is we do have a an organized call center which which puts a big target on our back. So at no extra expense, we we do that just to make sure you know we we know and we pass that through to you. So if you're comfortable calling them, most people are. Um, you probably don't have, you know, it's it's we so far in literally millions of phone calls, we've never had a customer be reprimanded officially. The only one I'm aware of is a an informal phone call from a Southern District of New York attorney that said, you know, we've we've gotten a report that you called a DNC number. Please be careful and don't do that. They didn't even bother with a written complaint. 
So it's unlikely that you'll create any real liability for yourself, but that's for you to decide, not us. Okay. And the last caller, you said um, uh, you identified a, a letter uh, to, um, and I forgot what the name of it. I didn't get to write it down. So the, the indirect approach is actually, it's called the house value letter. And it's in the in subscriber portal, mailbox motivator, letter and brochure samples is where you'll find that. Okay. That's all I've got right now. Thank you. Yep. All right. We have two more in the queue. Hit star six and then hit one to get in. Next up is phone number ending in 4663. You're up next. Thank you, uh, Chad. Um, I was interested in that uh, the cash for keys example you talked about a couple minutes ago, um, and that sounds kind of logical as a way to avoid eviction. Before you mentioned probatecash.com, um, which sounds like a good alternative, uh, kind of maybe a way to do it more officially, um, uh, going back to a more unofficial approach, would an attorney even go for that or allow that to, to be transacted? Let's say you had to you know, write a check for five grand or something to kind of facilitate that non-eviction or informal eviction, if you will. How 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 do you how do you even bring that up if if they wanted to go the legal route? Or well, if you if did, you it, that come to yeah, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking that an eviction is the legal route, and that would probably have the attorney involved. But it sounds like yeah. cash for keys is an informal route. And how do you propose that to the attorney and get that approved since it's a kind of a, 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 an advance before the, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what the official document would be titled, but it needs to be a written agreement between each of the heirs, and that needs to be submitted to the court for, for the accounting. So, you know, let's just assume that they say, all right, we'll give, we'll give him $2,000 each, so that's $6,000. And... It, if you're not advancing him the money right now, if you're putting it out there as, you know, the, these family members, these three are going to get 40000 and this one gets 46000 um, that would be, you know, the, 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 the carrot. So if you, get, if, you, if you move out now where we can, can move forward with the estate, you'll have more money later. Now, if they were going to come out of pocket and give them that, then, then it probably would need to be an agreement where, they're paid on instead of the distribution instead of getting paid in the distribution on the bottom line it would be paid with the administration costs so if if it was absolutely uh, necessary for the for the estate to move forward then there's a chance i think an attorney could get them paid on the top line as an administration cost so they would actually be reimbursed on the top line and then as heirs they would get their distribution on the bottom line of the final distribution but they could okay, be well, you, reimbursed through the estate. Okay, you 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 kind of answered it earlier by saying it would have to be court approved regardless of of the approach. So, am I, if I, they weren't paid back, yes. Okay. 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 Thank you. All right, we have two more in the queue. Next up is phone number ending in six two one one. You're up next. Are you there? It looks like Hildy, 6211. Hello, hello. I heard something. 
Yeah. Un, un, uh, possibly you have us muted, Hilby. Uh, unmute us. We only have one other person in the queue, so we'll give you a second. 6211, going, going. Um, I would suggest that you drop out of the queue and sign back in, and, uh, and we'll take you next. In the meantime, and next you, up. If it's stage fright, if it's stage fright, I was really just kidding. You don't have to send, sing happy birthday to Tim. <laughs> that was probably it. I can't sing worth the dart. So next up is phone number ending in 0948. You're up next. Hey, guys. How you doing? Great. How about you? Uh, good, good, good. So I don't know if this would qualify as a probate question, but we've, I'm out here in Bergen County, New Jersey, just getting started. And... Um, we literally just finished our website and getting ready to do our first mailers. My question is with regards to actually your offers that you make these, if you do get to sit down with these uh, representatives. I've only come from the investor side where I only know the uh, buy it uh, as is, where, you know, you minus the rehab and all that. I'm recently learning about the uh, a wholesale strategy. I don't know if you guys kind of do a calcul have a calculation for that. Um, the same way you would do for uh, buy it as is with repairs minus rehab. Do you guys have kind of numbers that you run with regards to how you come up with that offer? Um, so it's kind of like for me, it's, it's my definition of like an as is price. For me, it's what is the price that will guarantee that this is a ratified contract within seven days and a closing within 30 days? Like that's that's the, the kind of the wholesale price. Like that's what you know landlords in the market are the most common buyers of those. They jump all over it, and it usually ends up being about eighty cents on the dollar, um, depending on how strong okay. the rental market is where you are. But your your likely buyer is a landlord, so you can look at the house and look at the market rent and back that out using a. I mean, you can use a gross rent multiplier or cap rate or whatever guys are using in your market and kind of figure it out. But I would encourage you, rather than pricing on a, on a comparison basis, I would price on, a, on a, an investment return basis uh, because okay. you're most likely, that listing is most likely to appeal to a long-term buy and hold uh, investor. Okay. Awesome, awesome. I can work, start working backwards with that just because, like I said, I've never even considered those types of offers before. Um, I've always come with the you know 70% less the rehab, and actually, my partner is just in the process of getting his agent because of you guys' uh, you know, recommendations. So we have that, yes. you know, the retail part covered. <laughs> so uh, um, you, you know, you we're working have away. a list of um, a list of cash buyers or investment buyers. Do you have those in your pocket yet? Uh, I do have legit buyers, but uh, not landlords specifically. I have uh, you know, investors that I know are buyers. Um, but I, I don't have specifically landlords. I guess I've got to start working on that. One of the things that you might consider doing to identify that, and Chad might have a different source, but, um, but I, I like the uh, website listsource.com and um, okay. searching by absentee-owned properties and just finding the largest, who, the, the handful of investors that own large portfolios in your county or your town. And um, and then and then reverse searching them and, and reaching out and just asking if they're looking to expand their portfolio, and those are the people that you take your um, wholesale deals to first. Wow, awesome! Never thought of that. That's the awesome. Quicker, 
A quicker route for me is to go directly to the top property managers in your market. So if if you have a a good property manager who and and be, and understand, I'm I'm saying good as a qualifier because most of them aren't. But if you have a, a property management company that has a, an investor base, um, they will they can introduce you to to the heaviest hitters in town that already have a portfolio with equity and they have a finance strategy in place. So you don't have to kiss that many frogs if you go right to the property managers. That's good. Awesome. Again, thank you guys. Those are gems right there. Uh, I was actually hoping to schedule this question with Bruce, but you guys answered all my questions already, so I appreciate it. Yeah. Just saved myself 15 minutes. <laughs> Have a good one, guys. Enjoy the weekend. Now you can watch extra cat videos today. <laughs> hey, I wonder... I wanted to reach out. The gentleman that was on the role play call yesterday that had the awesome win, if you're here, please jump in and share that with everybody. Uh, in the meantime, we have three more in the queue. Next up is phone number ending in 0883. You're up next. Didn't recognize my number this time, Mr. Sullivan. I did. I did. I did, too. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Good. Doing great, James. How about you? Oh, doing good. Uh, we we came across a, a new lead we hadn't been working before here in the Memphis area. It's about a million and a half dollar uh, nursing home uh, in a very prominent part of town. What would you suggest be the way that uh, we approach the PR uh, in this one? Uh, of course, we're not commercial people uh, ourselves, particularly we have, of course, yeah, within EXP, we've got a commercial agent that we work closely with. But how, what would be my approach to you know, giving them a call? The PR? So, Jim, I first want to uh, make sure, what have you done to validate that they, that is actually property of the estate? Because the reason I ask is when we do get a false positive using Probate Plus, it's, it's oftentimes uh, it comes back to a nursing home. So have you validated the ownership? Uh, I have gone into what we call more data, and uh, if I remember correctly, I'm not looking at it currently. Uh, I, it, it seems to validate you know, that it was the appropriate person, but I'll go back and do that for sure. Okay. Um, so uh, th this is the kind of thing you want to sell off-market, and, and you may get a commercial broker. Uh, personally, I'd like to have a look at it. If 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 you yeah. get traction, I would like to look at it myself. That's one of the asset classes I'm looking for. Um, okay. And I, I know plenty of other people who who would be buyers for that. Um, so it's you, you don't need to worry about having a you know a, a big commercial presence and a marketing package and all that. You won't need it if if it's a fairly priced okay. asset in that class. Um, now that is a challenging asset class right now, but the smaller—that's a pretty small nursing home, and that's—that I think is a bigger opportunity than the large aggregated multifamily. I think people are looking for those, so uh, I, I can help you offline. Um, I can connect you to some okay. buyers, some developers. I actually know developers who are the building uh, twenty twenty million dollar facilities within two hours of you, so they may even be interested in, in adding it to their portfolio. Okay. All right. Well, shoot me uh, your calendar, calendar link again. Okay. I, I looked for it the other day and couldn't find it. Okay. All right. 
Appreciate it, guys. Have a good weekend. Yeah, all right. Keep at it, Jim. Take care, buddy. All right. Two thanks. more all in. Two more in the queue. We can probably fit a couple more in. Just hit star six and hit one. Next up is phone number ending in 1649. You're up next. Hey, guys. I've got a question about a short sale listing that we have right now. Um, we picked it up through the probate list. And, Jim, we're actually using your wife on this one. Um, the nationwide Good decision. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it. Good. It's been going pretty good. Um, we now have an approved price from the bank. We've got an offer that is of the approved price. Um, they just sent the proof of funds over. But the problem that I'm running into is that it had started the foreclosure process um, before we got to it. And so it's looking like we're going to be able to get the short sale done. But the executor, um, him and his sister, have been receiving what sounds like foreclosure notices, um, and they're basically taking it as if they're getting sued. And so they've been yeah. calling me out thinking that we don't we don't want to get sued. I just want this to be over with. And yeah. I don't really know the best thing to say to calm them down. Um, I'm not familiar enough with the wording, so I don't want to say anything wrong, um, but yeah. I want to try to calm down so that he's not freaking out. Well, first of all, call Pam, and she'll be glad to call them and talk to them. But it's a common misconception with foreclosure, with uh, short sales. The heirs think as soon as they start working with the bank on a short sale that all the legal problems are going to go, or all the legal process is going to go away. And it doesn't. The bank continues the process right up until the time of sale, mainly because they don't have to start all over again if the buyer backs out or the sale doesn't go through. So it's it's almost always automatic, pretty meaningless conversation or, or correspondence. You know, you, you don't have a sale date set, correct? Yeah, that's there's no there There's no foreclosure sale date set? No, there's not. Okay. And I would even venture to say after you successfully close on the short sale, they'll probably still get correspondence for weeks. It's it's such a machine and it's such an automated process with most of the banks that they don't alter their process right up until the day and often they don't even stop it when the when the properties we we've had a no, she's had a number of cases where successfully closed the forge the the short sale and the people are still getting foreclosure notices. So best thing I would tell you, Pam has done over 2,000 of these. What, have you let her know and, and ask her to call the seller or not? Yeah, I did the first time that he called, um, and I believe she reached out and kind of told him everything was okay. But he called last yep. night saying that his sister had received a notice. And so I guess she sure. was calling him crying and thinking, I don't want to get sued. I don't have the money to pay off the loan. He's thinking yeah. he could lose his business. And I've been trying to tell him that it's just yeah. part of the process. And I, he just he doesn't understand enough, I don't think, to know that, like, it will happen up until it, up until it closes. Um, sure. I just haven't been confident enough in the process since this is our first short sale to say anything too definitive because I don't want to misguide him. Yeah, I would just I would just say the the negotiator that's handling it has done a couple thousand of these. Let me have her give you a call. Pam will Pam will talk him off the ledge and reassure him. She's she hears this in virtually every every transaction or most of them. So the good news is you're making progress. And do you do you have a sale date scheduled yet for closing the transaction or not? 
No, we don't have a closing date set yet, uh, but the bank has reviewed an offer. They've got the appraisal back, and it actually, the appraisal came in lower than the offer. And so they just adjusted their offer and got everything in within the last couple of days. So Perfect. I think we're close to getting the offer accepted and everything. Um, it's exactly what the bank said they would approve. So we should Excellent. be smooth sailing. Just want to make sure that he you know, is not freaking out. And he was mentioning calling the bank and telling them they can have the house and all this stuff. <laughs> oh, God, no, 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 no. You know, again, if the house gets foreclosed, people, people will often issue a deed in lieu of foreclosure, and they don't realize that doesn't limit their liability. It just means to the bank, here, you can have the house back. That's much worse than doing a short sale. 99% of the time on a short sale, the the bank will agree not to pursue a, a deficiency, you know, so it that'd be the worst thing they could do. Um, I'll have, this is Zach, right? Yeah, this is, and I actually have her number, so I can reach out and call her again. I just didn't want to yeah. be blowing her up too much about, nah. can you call him? Because I know some of it's our job to, to deal with them and make sure everything's no. going okay. This is just an area hey. uh, that is not my expertise. You did your job. You found a good buyer. You put the deal together. I'm looking at her. She's not. She's not terribly busy right now. She's in the same office. So give her a call. She'll. She'll talk. Call them back and walk them down off the cliff. No problem. Okay. And, and, and hey, Zach, are these heirs or are these? Um, are they personally? Are on? Are they on the loan? It doesn't. Um, they it are doesn't not really. On the loan. Okay. This is well, actually even more. Called... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. That's even more reason that there is. Virtually, I mean, they're they're not gonna get in trouble. They're not even on the loan. So you just, you know, they talk to Pam. If they're still calling you, just say, "Look, you're not even on the loan. You can't get in trouble, right?" Am I wrong, yep. Jim? Chad? No, hundred percent. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. There's zero liability. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I just I handed your note to Pam. As soon as this call's over, she'll reach out to you. Okay, perfect. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, you're very welcome. We only have one more in the queue, guys. This will be the first time this year that we haven't gone over. If you would like to actively participate, just hit star six and hit one. We've got well over 100 people on the call. We're waiting for our win of the week. We had a great one testimonial yesterday on the role play call of multiple deals. If you're on here, there's a 470 area code. Don't be shy. Please jump in. There we go. We got three more. That'll take us up to the top of the hour. Next up is phone number ending in 3899. You're up next. Yeah, hi. My name is uh, Matt. I'm calling from uh, New Hampshire. Um, I hey, just Matt. recently signed up with you. Hey, I just recently signed up uh, for your services and um, uh, have one mailer go out and you guys made a round of calls. And uh, I was just curious. Um, I had I didn't see any re, any response. Um, I guess there was no response um, in regards to the calls or the mailers. Is that is that normal? I uh, like I said I got I got on the call late, so I don't know if it was covered or not. It happens sometimes. Um, I mean, it, typically you're going to see a, a you know a two percent response rate over the the length of the campaign, like over a three to six month period. Um, which is enough to, you know, for most people to average a 2,000% ROI. So 
Don't get discouraged if if one letter didn't work. Direct mail sometimes takes time, right? And it's it. You, what's most important about it is your frequency. Um, so just just keep your head up and just you know you, I've had I went two like ten weeks one time like two and a half months with zero response on and I was mailing three different lists. And I'm like, holy crap! This finally quit working. What am I going to do now? Like, this is my this is my whole you know my biggest pillar. I was running both sides of the business, and then all of a sudden, one Thursday evening, I, I ended up listing seven properties on a, on a Friday. Wow. Which I mean, it was daylight to dark. I mean, I, it was the most jam packed day I've ever had, and it and it just caught me back up. So I was thinking, oh shit! It finally quit working, and I'm going to have to do something else. And then just all of a sudden, it kind of corrected itself. So, if you look at it over a long enough time period, you know you sh- you're going. Everyone is going to have times where your marketing doesn't work. And one of the big reasons, you know, we I've actually noticed this on the digital marketing side of things. Like a lot of people were checked out for the last two weeks, and I pretty much have come to the conclusion it's because school is starting, and school mm-hmm. looks different than it ever has. So people are very distracted right now. And a lot of these yeah. folks are parents or grandparents. And if they're grandparents, mom and dad are still working, so they're probably taking care of Junior while he's being homeschooled, right, or doing online school. So it, it, it could be situational as well because people for the last two weeks have seemed to be really disengaged from any online activity, and I'm sure that's also apparent in, you know, in other day-to-day activities. So it, it might just be situational. It may correct itself by, by the time your next letter hits. Great. That's good. Good. Uh, good information. Um, one other and question: also, uh, When you guys make, when you guys make the calls, are you? Um, is it a person making the calls, or is it? Is it? Are they like automated? No, we use we use live domestic callers, so they're in the okay. office, and you know. I thought it was a robot call, and uh, it asked. It, it started by saying that the Social Security number was fr- flagged for fraud, Chad. Is that wrong? Uh, we quit using those yesterday, Bruce. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> or the IRS is on so, the way to your house. You better you better wire money immediately. We've jeez, I've seen a lot of those too. Yep. No live calls are always best if you can do it. All right. Well, we have two more. In the queue, next up is phone number ending in 6211. You're up next. Thank you. Hi, um, my name is Leo. I'm new in this, trying to learn about the system. I'm in Florida, but I actually got approached by somebody in Texas that uh, it looks like the dad passed away, and on the wheel, he inherited the house to the ex-girlfriend, but then the the mom is the one that uh, has the the wheel in in her hands, and uh, and there are two sons that says uh, on the wheel states that the house to be liquidated upon death, and it, it also says that uh, after the expenses they're supposed to give like ten thousand dollars to the to the sons. Let me get my How facts straight here. So, husband passed away while married to wife, but willed the house to an ex-girlfriend. Was that before the marriage or during the marriage? No. Well, there's actually the ex-girlfriend and the ex-wife. So the ex-wife has the will, but he inherited the house 
to the ex-girlfriend. Okay. Who's the personal rep? Who's the administrator? Or the executor? Tricks? The wife. The ex-wife. Okay. There's no wife. Well, just since, since she's an ex-wife, that's what I missed in, in the beginning. I thought you said wife. So since she's an ex-wife, she's not protected by state succession law because the marriage was terminated prior to the death. So if she's the executrix, she can she can step step out of her role and, and allow a public administrator to step in or another family member. Otherwise, she needs to carry out the last wish. If the will is validated by the court, then she has a, a fiduciary responsibility to carry out the wishes of the deceased if she takes the role of executrix. Okay, so, so I mean, she, she, she may not she may not like it, but it, it her her control died with her or with her divorce decree. She lost leverage. Okay, how how can I refer them to a good uh, probate attorney in Texas? What what city? Uh, I think uh, Amarillo. Oh gosh, that's up there. I don't really know anyone. That also, I mean, I'm a real estate agent, but I'm also I'm also an investor. So you know, I mean, of course, I would like I would like to buy the property. Is the property in Florida? No, the property is in Texas. But you're in Florida. But I'm in Florida, right? But I used to live in Texas, so I mean, I I do have a little bit of connections in Texas. Gotcha. Um. I don't know any attorneys in that market, and I don't. I'm not aware. I'm not aware of any subscribers we have in Amarillo. Um, your best bet is asking our Facebook group. So we have a Facebook community called All the Leads Mastermind. If you're not already a member, jump in there. We have over 10,000 uh, probate experts in the group, so there's there's likely somebody that's ne nearby. Um, the other thing is you could, you know, you could just start call call around you know call the probate clerk in that county and say hey you know who's an attorney that you really enjoy working with um, I've got I've got one with a little hair on it we'll see if they can give you a referral to a good attorney that, that might be a decent shortcut also I mean the ex-girlfriend inherited the house but she it looks like she's not aware of it right now so I mean she she's gonna find out eventually right yeah, I mean, if if that if the will is validated and she's she's the heir to the to the house, or, or the house has to be sold, the, you, the will said that the house had to be liquidated, right? Right, but the thing is, the wife is the one that the ex-wife is the one that has the will. Yeah, well, it shouldn't matter. I mean, she has a duty to carry it out or abdicate her position. So if, okay. if she abdicates, then the public administrator will take over or, or one of the sons might step up. Either way, it's the same outcome. If it's a valid will, she has no leverage. Whether she likes it or not, she, she divorced her way out of it. So I don't can mean they that sell to be harsh. It's just property? the truth. Can they sell or lease the property at this point? I mean, or what, what would be the process? Well, you have to sign with her, assuming she has the letters of testamentary. She has the authority to sign. If she refuses to do so, then that's that's for a probate attorney to take up. That's where possible litigation comes into play. If if she's standing in the way of if she's if she's the the one standing between the deceased 
you know, and the heirs, then she has she has some of her own legal liability if that's the position she's taking. And these things are usually resolved by just getting a good attorney to roar like a lion for just a second. And they'll usually tuck their tail and run and do what's right. You just have to you have to you have to break down their ego and get through. And you, usually you don't have to do anything formal or official. Just a a stern, well written letter from an attorney will usually scare people into compliance. Okay. Okay. Because so, it's, it's inevitable. Like she she's only cheating her sons. So, you know, she's, she's withholding the inheritance from them because she, and who knows what it, like, I don't care what the history is. Like, she was given a duty that she apparently accepted, and if she's not living up to that duty, she should be encouraged, even, even if that is with a stick, um, she should be encouraged to do what she committed to or get the hell out of the way and let a public administrator step in. That's probably the best answer. If you have contact with her, just say, you know what, this is going to be best for everybody if you just abdicate your your role as the executrix and let a public administrator do this. Because the will states the house to be liquidated upon death, so they have to sell it, period? If that's what the will says, yeah. And, and also they mentioned something about the monument of title. So in Texas, if if they if they meet certain qualifications, and it sounds like that it probably does, then the house will actually be taken out of the probate. So at that point, you know, you, you like, uh, I I don't know if you can force her to sign a listing agreement without. I mean, you're going to need an attorney's help if she's not, you know, if she's not willing to sign a listing agreement and do what's right. You're likely going to an attorney is going to have to get her to sign that. Um, uh, but I would, and she, it sounds like she doesn't have an attorney right now that you're aware of, correct? Correct. Yeah, I, I would, I would ask around in our mastermind group, call the, the probate clerk in that county, ask, you know, what attorney has a lot of experience and is, is really good to work with because you have a fragile, uh, fragile situation that doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be any any bigger than it, than it is right now. But if you put if you put this in the hands of an incompetent attorney, they're likely to end up in a in a perpetual loop of litigation, and you know, there'll be a lot of animosity in the family. If you put it in the hands of a capable attorney who's a good negotiator and a, and good with people, they'll they'll move they'll move through this in a day or two. Okay. And what's the mastermind group again, please? Uh, all the leads mastermind. If you just search that in the, the main search bar of Facebook, it'll show you the group, and then just request access. Perfect. Thank you very much. All right, Chad. We have one more in the queue. You okay going a few minutes over? Yeah, I'm okay till two fifteen today. All right. Well, it shouldn't take that long. Last up this week, we saved the best for last. Is phone number ending in zero zero six six? Good afternoon. How are you? Great. How are you doing? Michelle, right? Yes. Hi. How are you? Um, Great, I'm Michelle. I'm an agent in New York City, and I have a team of about six um, agents that are working with me, so I've purchased, like, several different counties, but I believe that was back in March or April, and we could mm -hmm. not, uh, we couldn't do real estate at the time um, until our sure. state uh, went into uh, phase four. So now we're on, and I have some of them on the call today, 
but I need to get started all over again, and I am not sure where to begin so that we could get our training, and I've got several lists that we can work off of, you know, some that go back even six months ago, but I want us to get going and make this Good. money, you know. For, for first of all, welcome back. New York City came back. It was the first uh, county, or New York County was the first county back in New York, so you, you are back. We are getting leads there again. And, uh, right. um, Michelle, how, have you done anything? Have you, were you, you just been on hold? Nothing. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So you've done nothing. And I'm just checking real quick. Um, well, I, just, I did to see how many training beginning. Okay. I did the trainings in the, a couple of them, but I still need to know what I'm doing so that I can be able to guide the rest of my team. You know what I'm saying? And I know that sure. I, what is this chat? Uh, this is Jim and Chad on Chad, right, Jim right. and Chad. Yeah. Right. I, I had spoken with Chad, and um, I know that we can train at the same time. So I'm just trying to get that set up. You know. So sure. what I would recommend, Michelle, is in, in Subscriber Portal. If you look under Education and Training, you'll see a menu item for Book My Next Coaching Call. And I would recommend you get on Bruce's schedule for an implementation call, and he'll kind of help you understand how to do the right things in the right order. And uh, you you had mastery last month, right? Me? Did you did you take probate mastery no. last month? No, I didn't. I haven't done. Oh, I, I thought haven't you done had. It okay. Before. Yeah. Right. So it's it's especially important that you do that then if you haven't had mastery. So get on get on Bruce's calendar and he'll kind of you know Bruce has worked on big teams and managed teams, so he's certainly the best person for you to 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 do this with. I think you'll okay. be surprised how easy he can make this for you. Right after the call, we will reach out to you. We'll get it sorted out, and I would agree with Chad. Let's get you. Let's let's give you a booster shot. If you need to, we'll put you through orientation again. If you need to, uh, and you certainly should at least do a, a coaching call with Bruce. And let's get you let's get you, you know, restarted and and back on track. And welcome back. We're glad to have all of New York, and hopefully soon New Jersey will be back. Well, you guys can uh, you and Bruce can do a Zoom call and share a glass of EXP Kool Aid. Oh, education and training. You said education and training and go where? Schedule a coaching call. Okay. And you're going to pick it. It's on the, on the subscriber portal side. Well, Natalie and then Bruce, and we'll get you back on track. Welcome back, Michelle. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Chad, we had one more person uh, jump in the queue. You want to take one more? Are we okay? Okay, and then well, yeah. we're done by quarter after. Okay. All right, last up for sure this week is phone number ending in 9882. You're up last. Hey, everybody. Hey there. Um, I just want to know, uh, my name is Joshua. I'm from Houston, Texas. I'm located in Houston, Texas. Um, I just want to know, once I make an appointment, um, what do I bring on an appointment? Contracts, baby. Um, what <laughs> not funny. Are you a, uh, are you are you an investor, a realtor, yeah. or both? I'm an investor. Yes, I mean I, I would suggest if you don't have a, a real a brokerage partner, uh, definitely get that because it allows you to offer options, which makes you way more valuable to the family. Um, and 
The, the thing that I, I learned this lesson the hard way, you always take a purchase agreement and a listing agreement on every appointment. Now, if you're not the brokerage partner, you might want to take them with you so they have the authority to, you know, sign the listing agreement. Obviously, you don't want to do that if you're not licensed. Um, but, I mean, everyone does it a little differently. I found I came from resort real estate where we sold, you know, high, high price real estate to high net worth individuals. So we had the fancy collateral, and some of our, our handouts were as much as $50 a piece. And I brought that kind of standard of marketing into this. I find more success by dumbing down my listing package and offering as little as possible. So that forces the conversation. It forces them to look me in the eye. It takes away the deferral of, okay, you've given us a lot to think about. We'll read through what you brought. It takes that objection off the table. If you want the information, if you like, you have to look me in the eye and shake my hand, and, and I'll help you with your, your problems. So I, I have a ridiculously simple package. It, you know, I take a net sheet that runs three scenarios, and it's usually cash as is retail. So as an investor, I will, you know, through the conversation, I'll find out what their level of motivation is and why, and that pretty much will eliminate the cash off or the, the retail. And then if, as, if their timeline is really tight, um, then that eliminates as is, and there's only one option left. So that net sheet is probably the single most valuable tool that I have, and it's, it's literally just three very simple rough scenarios side by side. Of here's how much you you walk away with if you if we buy it cash here's how much if you sell it as is where is and here's how much if we go retail the other uh, the other you know things that we teach is you can actually show them what it looks like if they fully renovate and flip the house so there could be a fourth scenario where you could you know shift that and just offer th offer three but giving them options makes them feel in control and like they're not being sold to or tricked into anything so that's one of the most valuable tools is something, you know, just a, a visual aid that shows them what their options are, where you can eliminate it on the spot and stop that procrastination. And it'll also eliminate them shopping you against other investors. Because the way we deliver this, and I teach this in Probate Mastery, I show you exactly how to use it, but you basically get them to a point where you hand them a blue pen and you, you've eliminated all the no's proactively. So the assumptive close is you hand them a blue pen and they sign. Um, so that, that would be the most valuable tool if I had to pick one that, that goes on, on an appointment with me. I rarely have to use it, but when I do, it works. Okay. You said in probate mastery and probate mastery with. So that's the, the certification and the course that we offer once a month. Um, it's not scheduled for September, but we just finished the August class. If you, if you sign up, you can get the recordings now, and you'll be in the live class in September. Okay. I have to my first calls tomorrow, so um, we'll find out. But that's it. That's all I have to know. That's all I want to know. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. I want to thank all of you for being here, uh, well over 100 people. I want to particularly thank those who actively participated, and I want to challenge each of you. Take one thing that inspired you on this call, go out and put it into practice, and come back next Thursday and share the results with the group. Stay healthy, stay productive, and we will talk to you same time next Thursday. Take care, everybody.